great to be with you, and we are starting this series, the song, Summer in the Psalms, and, and when we started talking about this, my, my text this morning is Psalm 73, and if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? If you do it on your phone, please turn to Psalm 73. It's, it's a psalm that's written by a guy named Asaph, who was actually, um, who was actually the, uh, the worship pastor and leader in the temple. And uh, he, he wrote this psalm, and I love it because it's really authentic. He's, he's kind of sharing his heart. He's being real. He's a gifted musician, and he's wrestling with the stumbling block of many, many, many good men over the centuries. And the stumbling block is this, that the present prosperity of wicked men and the sorrows of godly men. He's wrestling with that. Do you all ever have an issue with that? You know, yesterday we went to a funeral in, in Bossier City, Louisiana, of, of, of one of the residents. His father passed away at the age of 56 years old. Two years ago, he found out he had colon cancer, and he passed away last Monday. And Nathan Coker, that works with us, he's 24 years old, and he has to live the rest of his life without his dad. He's fixing to go be a missionary in Japan. And I think he's really... Now, please hear me. I know Father God is a great dad to Nathan. But I just, you know, Ronnie, his dad, his, his earthly dad would have been awesome for him. But apparently God needed Ronnie better, more in heaven than he did here on earth. But I wrestle with that. I wrestle, wrestle with, you know, folks that are mean or wicked living a long life. And people that love Jesus madly and they live a short life. I don't know about you, but it just things don't seem really fair. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But, you know, this disturbing problem, remembering the prosperity of the wicked. And, and Asaph, one of the cool things, he's so authentic that he just says, I nearly fell into doubt. And I don't know about you, but do you ever doubt or wonder or struggle with things? Um, you know, it seems like, man, those people do whatever they want and they get away with it. Or at least it looks like it. Or at least it looks like it. My father used to have a phrase, and I, I do believe it's true, that everything comes out in the wash. I, I do believe it's true. I, if it doesn't come out in the wash on earth, it, it will definitely come out in the wash when we all stand before Jesus. Because the Bible says that we will all give an account. And so Asaph is wrestling. And he starts out, if you will, in Psalm 73, and let's just read the first six or seven verses. It says, um, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, and he's just talking about himself, but he's being really honest. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, and when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek. And I don't understand how you can be fat and sleek. Nobody has ever called me sleek, but I think they have called me fat before. I have a friend, kind of a friend, that every time I see him, he goes, you need to lose 10 pounds. Thank, thanks to Jesus, I don't see him very often. And so, um, but he said, they have no pangs until death. In verse 4, their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness, and their hearts overflow with follies. And he's just being honest here. Um, he envies the prosperity of the wicked. Now what's cool is he starts this text with, 
the, the reality that he knows. Truly God is good to Israel. Um, I think Cody Carnes has a song out right now that says God is good and he can only be good. And do you all know that today? God is only good. He can only be good. And it's, that's a beautiful truth. But the psalmist is just, I love the authenticity of it. He's just struggling like all the rest of us do. And if you don't have any of those struggles right now, you will. And, and so he's just, he's wrestling with this. And one of the things that's hard for us is perspective. It's just hard. Perspective. It is defined, perspective is defined as the capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. Also defined as the lens through which you and I see the world. And so I just asked you this morning, how's your perspective? How's your perspective? You know, Asaph has a sight problem. He lost sight of the eternal. He gave full attention to the temporal. He was consumed by envy, he says it, and appetites, the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I was envious and I was arrogant. You know, several years ago, and this is many years ago, I don't know, do y'all remember, some of you students, you probably don't, but do y'all remember when y'all, do y'all remember when you got your first car, first like real car? You know, my first real car was a Studebaker. They don't even make those anymore. And I'm so old that it had push-button shifts. Like you would push it into drive. You had a little push-button on the deal. And that may sound really cool. Trust me, it wasn't, okay? And then when Kelly and I were dating, I had a, thing, I had a car called a Ford Maverick. Again, not a ladies kind of car, okay? And it was red, and it was ugly. And... Uh, so, and over the years, as a student minister, I've had a lot of cars. I had a car at one time that the residents and the interns called it the lead sled. It was a Pontiac Bonneville. It was huge. It got flooded one year in Houston, and it messed up all the seals on the car. And so the car would literally fill up with water inside and out. Like my floorboards would be full of water. My trunk sounded like a wave pool when I turned corners. You could hear it splash. And one day I thought I'd really do a really cool thing. I went in there. I thought, I just need to drill some, punch some holes in the back of the trunk to let it drain out. I, I never even thought about the gas tank being back there, but I, I'm still here. So everything's good. And uh, a lady came into the church and she said, man, something's terribly wrong with that car. And I go, no, it's fine. It's working. And because my drain system was working. But after a, a few years at Champion Force, Kelly and I mustered up $10,000. Do any of y'all like to go to the, the car places and do business with car people? And if you're a car person, I hope you're a nice one. Remember what I said? Everything's coming out in the wash earlier, okay? But I hate that stuff. I hate the whole deal about, let me go talk to my manager. I just want to tell me how much it is, and then let's just get it over with. But there was a guy on our staff back then named Gary, and he's, he loved this. In fact, I can remember, we, I gave him $10,000 and said, Gary, go buy me the best car you can. And so we go to a couple of dealerships, and finally we get to this dealership, and I had never really thought about getting a Mazda. I didn't know that my father-in-law would not let me park it in his driveway because it's not American-made. Um, but we bought a, a Mazda that day. But during the day, while my friend Gary was doing this, s- several things were said. One of the things, the the dealer or the salesman said, if I had to deal with you every day, I would not be able to feed my family. And the pastor, Gary, that was on our staff said, that's not my problem, which is not very pastoral just for the record. Okay. 
and everything's wonderful, but we got the car and and I remember we got the kids in it because we had two kids. And we got the car and we drove up to the old Champion Forest on Champion Forest Drive. And everything was wonderful. And we pulled up. That car was a red Mazda 323 station wagon. Had a, had a trunk about the size about that. Big trunk. Big trunk. And then had a back seat about the size like that. Big back seat. And the front seat was not much bigger. Everything was wonderful. I thought we had just, we had won the lottery. Except I pulled up into the place in our church parking lot, and one of the girls named Whitney, who was in our youth ministry, drove up in a Porsche 929 right next to me. She was 17 years old. Yeah. And I'm looking, and I'm going, God, this is not fair. <laughs> what was funny is Kelly was there, and she said, where would the kids go if we even had it? And I said, who cares about the kids? <laughs> you see, one of the things that we do in life, and the psalmist, he, he speaks it for all of us. We so easily lose perspective. We, we get, we just, you know, you, you wouldn't need a new car until somebody pulls up next to you at a light and you're just going, I need one of those. You know, or you go to the store and you're walking around and you go, I need that. We lose perspective. The reality is we need very little. We, we have so much. But the psalmist says, I envied the wicked, the prosperity of the wicked. He's struggling. He's got a sight problem. He's lost sight of what matters. There's a, there's a condition called myopia. It's a condition where a visual problem that keeps you people from seeing object at a distance. They can only see what is right in front of them. And the problem, and, and most of us have spiritual myopia. We can only see what is temporal and physical and earthly. You can only see what is here and now. And there was a great hymn writer named Robert Robinson who wrote a hymn that many of you know called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And in the chorus, he says something that is profound, but it's great perspective. He says this, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And could all of us in this room, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, the reality for all of us in this room is we are all prone to wonder. We, you know, we, we just got back from Nepal and we had somebody on our trip that she was more prone to wonder than any human being I've ever met in my entire life. We'd be all in a group and we'd look around and she was gone. And she, she would be going to meet some granny in a house next door, somebody she's never met in her entire life. We're prone to wander. We get lost. We're like, you ever been at the beach and you got caught in an undertow? And you, you know, your beach chairs or whatever gear you had is right here. And you are way the heck over there. We're prone to wander. And most of the time, we're prone to wander and we don't even know it. And so the psalmist, he wandered. You know, Robert Robinson wrote this hymn, you know, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, under the... He, he, he went off as an apprentice to London, and it says he spent his life in a, with a gang of hoodlums in a life of debauchery. And at 20 years of age, three years after he went to London and just wasted three years of his whole life, he comes to meet Christ, and he writes this hymn, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It. And it's a, it's a good reminder to us, a good reminder to us. Um, I, like I say, I love the authenticity. This confession of Robert Robinson, 
I'm prone to wonder. This confession of the psalmist, I'm struggling with this. You know, it, it seemed to him to do no good. And has stuff seemed to you to be not right? And I want to ask you something this morning. How, how many of y'all want God to be fair? How many of y'all want God to be fair? Anybody in here? Do you really? That is a trick question, okay? Put your hands down. This old Irish preacher that I used to listen to when I was a young youth minister, he said, "If you fair is, you get... In fact, I, I did this. I took a business law class in college, and I, the professor was a... He wrote the book for the class. Note to self, if you're still going to university, do not get a professor that wrote the book. You don't want to be in that class. Because he wants you to know the book like he knew the book. And so at the, a young innocent freshman at, right before finals, there was not an A in the entire class. I think I had a C. And I asked this young, I asked this professor, I said, hey, uh, doctor, are you going to curve the grades to make it fair? And he looked at me and he said, Mr. Wills, fair is you get what you get. Which I was thinking, well, that's not very nice. And he's, he, what, he said, I'm not curving any grades. Fair is you get what you get. And fair for us is we go to hell because we are sinful and flawed and we are prone to wander and we have lost perspective without Jesus. And that's called fair. But we don't want that. We see unfaithful people who are far from God. And here's the deal. They're going to perish too. And they're going to give an account for their lives. In fact, Jared said it last week and it's really true. You lived your entire lives apart from God and guess what? You're going to spend eternity apart from God. You, you, that's the decision that you make. But he goes on to say, and look in verse 17. He says, until I came to the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. Surely you set the wicked-minded and immoral on slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are completely swept away by sudden terrors, like a dream until one awakens. O oh Lord, when stirred, you will despise their image. He, he waits, and he goes to the sanctuary of God. He went to the right place. He went to the right place. And he, he, he came to the right perspective. And it, it's beautiful that he, he goes to the sanctuary. He went to the right place. And I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus in his word the first place you run? Or is it the last place? Do you go to your friends? Are your friends that trustworthy? Um. You know, I went, before I got married, I went to a couple of my buddies that I ran with to ask them what marriage was like. That was the dumbest thing I think I've ever done. The dumbest thing I think I've ever done. One of my, um, you know, and I'm telling you, they were dumber than I was. And so, and then you, sometimes we just go to the wrong places. We go, we get on social media and we go to try to find our answers. Your answer's not there. Every once in a while, you may get something good out of that, but your answer's not there. The psalmist, when he had lost perspective, when he envied the arrogant, he, he, wanted, he wanted things to be different. He runs to the right place and then he comes to the right conclusion. Look in verse 23. It says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. And then y'all probably heard this before. In verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart, they may fail. 
but God is the rock and the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful and have abandoned you. And then in his same verse from verse 1, in, in verse 28, in verse 2 rather, but as for me, it is good to draw me, for me to draw near to God. I have made the Lord God my refuge and placed my trust in him that I may tell all of your works. He goes to the right place. He comes to the right conclusions. And he comes to the right perspective. You hold me. You're the one that guides me. My flesh and my heart may fail. Are you, can you say an amen to that? Amen. Have you had days where I, I just can't do this anymore? <clears throat> I mean, I remember when our kids were young, I'm just going, God, I think I may kill them before they get older. <laughs> and they're actually alive now, and they actually make us very happy. The grandkids make us much, much, much happier, for the record, just, just so you know. But the deal is, where you get to that place, um, and you just, you just remember, he holds us. He guides us. My flesh, my heart, they may fail. And so the psalmist, you know, truly, uh, he just says, he says what he's thinking. He writes down truth. He, he's wrestling with things that are unfair. And I want to ask you today, do you make decisions and choices in the light of eternity or, or do you make decisions in the moment? Um, and I, I just want, I want to leave you with three things. What do we do with this? What do we do with Psalm 73? The first one is to take the long look. Take the long look. My kids, when they were, when they were in high school, I used to say this to them all the, all the time. <clears throat> and they, some of the times they hated me. When they went out on dates... And you would, some of y'all are going, I'm glad he's not my dad. And you should be, okay? But when the kids would go out on a date, I'd go, don't waste your kisses. And they would go, God, you ruin it for me. Because I, all I'm going to think about all night long, and I, I just went, it worked, okay? It was good. It worked. One time, I'll, I'll tell you a story, and I don't know that I cleared this with Kelly, but I'll, I'll try to be good. When Jordan, our daughter, graduated from high school, uh, they decided to take a trip together, a graduation trip, just the girls, Kelly and Jordan. And they went to Florida, and no judgment here, okay, for any of you. They went to Florida, and they called me from Florida, and they decided they were going to get a tattoo together. Now, please hear me. I don't really have a problem with tattoos unless they've got evil things on them and all that kind of stuff. But they called me, and this is, golly, 20 years ago. They called me from Florida, and they said, we're thinking about getting a tattoo, which is funny. Why did they call me? If, why did you call me if you didn't want me to say something about it? Are you asking for permission or what are you doing? And I just said, the only thing I told them was, are you going to be happy that you did this in 10 years? That's it. That's all I said. Totally it. They get home and I go, let me see the tattoos. And they, goes, and they both looked at me and said, you ruined it for us. You ruined it for us. It was no fun after that. And that's what I mean about taking the long look. Aren't there things in your life that if you'd have, in the moment, if you'd have just said, this is a moment thing, and it's, it's not right. You know, when you lose sight and you lose your perspective, your eyesight goes really, really bad. And, and so this deal about 10 years from now, will you be glad that you did it? I wasn't trying to be mean. I wasn't trying to make them feel guilty. 
It's just one of the things that, I don't know where I learned this, but somebody said this. Are you going to be glad you did this 10 years from now? And it's, it's, it's been pretty good. Now, please hear me. There are other things in my life I should have listened to that do, okay? <laughs> I bought a couple of cars. I wish I hadn't bought them. I bought a Mini one time. Actually, I had a Toyota truck, and then I bought a Mini Cooper. That is like buying a bug. I got killed almost three times on the road because truckers can't see Mini Coopers. I thought it was going to save me a lot of money, but it's turbocharged. And so it eats gas like candy. So I didn't take the long look on that deal, okay? And you can probably think right, is there anything you can think right now in your head you're going, I did not take the long look on that one. You see what I mean? And so the first thing that you can do with this is take the long look. The second thing is see the world for what it is. See the world for what it is. One of my buddies in Dallas worked for Hewlett Packard, which is a gigantic computer corporation. He works for Amazon right now, which is a larger gigantic corporation. But when he was working at Hewlett Packard, he was the HP International Salesman of the Year. I mean, he was, he was a rock star salesman. But I always remember one of the things that he told me, his boss at Hewlett Packard said this, don't love something that doesn't love you back. So when, see the world for what it is. I want to ask you something, does the world love you back? The wor- does, the really, does the world really love you at all? Do you have friends that you think love you, but you're not really sure? Do you have boyfriends and girlfriends, or a friend that's a girl or a friend that's a boy? as I ask some of the residents when I'm trying to find out what's going on in their love lives, do they really love you at all? And so it's just to get clarity. And then the third thing that we can do this is remember who loves and holds you. One of the glorious and wonderful things about Jesus is he is right there all the time. I want to I point us to two verses before I finish this morning. In 1 Peter 2, in chapter 11, it says this. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't don't make yourselves cozy in it. And, And it goes on to say, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. One of the things I would say to you is that sin and the world takes a toll on you. As an old man, I know that. Sin and the world takes a toll on you. It blinds us from seeing ourselves with clarity. And I read this the other day. Sin allows you and I to feel all right about something that is very, very wrong. And so, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. This is not home. This is not home. That guy, Ronnie Coker, that died yesterday, he's in heaven, and we should all be jealous. This is not home. On the best day on earth is not going to be equal to the worst day in heaven. Perspective. Perspective. And then this last verse, it's, it's from 1 John 2, chapter, 1 John 2 and verse 15 through 17. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. And that's what the world does. It squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, 
wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. And it, says, it goes on and finishes by saying the world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting. And doesn't that sound like the world that we live in? The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. You know, the Bible is the world's most accurate mirror. And thankfully, Asaph went to the sanctuary of God and he heard the word of God. The Bible is the, mo- the world's most accurate mirror. Jarrett says it like this. Pastor Jarrett says it like this. When we read the Bible, it reads us. You can stand in front of the Bible and see who you really are. You can stand in front of the Bible and see who you really are. So three things that we take with us from this passage He ran to the right place, he came to the right conclusions, and he got his perspective. And let's all be honest, we are prone to wander. Anybody in here not prone to wander? We get lost. We can't find our way. We can't find our way. Need some help. We're we're all prone to wander. So do three things. Take the long look. And if if it ruins your day, man, I'll, I'll take full responsibility for it. If the next time you're doing something and all of a sudden you're haunted by the question, am I going to be happy I'm fixing to do this 10 years from now? Then I'll take responsibility. I, I, in fact, call me and tell me, you, you, like Kelly did, you ruined it for us. Okay? There's a lot of things I would love to ruin for you because it's just going to hurt you. It's, it's going it's gonna, to it's gonna do something at the expense of your own soul. And so be careful there. Take the long look. Take the long look. Second thing, see the world for what it is. It's not your friend. It is not your friend. It is not your friend. And remember who loves and holds you. Let's pray together. Can we do that? Father in heaven, Lord, um, just thanks for Asaph. Thanks that he knew from the very start of this psalm that you're good. And you can only be good. We know that. You can only be good. But Lord, thanks also that he was really, really honest. He looked around and just said, man, it's it's not fair. People are just, they live independently of you and they seem to be doing fine. And God, help us and remind us to be careful about what seems to be. Because we are very myopic. We have a lot of trouble looking down the road, but man... We are so captured and captivated by what's right in front of us. That's all of us, everybody in this room, whether they admit it or not, we're just captured by it, God. And so, Lord, just help us, Father. Um, God, what, what Asaph said is so true. Whom have we in heaven but you? He also said, and there is nothing on earth that is our beside you. And God... Not every day can I say that. There's other things I desire. And I'm sorry. And those things I desire, they they hurt me. They take a little piece of my soul. So thanks for Asaph putting into words what we all feel fairly regularly, Lord Jesus. And thanks, Lord Jesus, that you love and hold us, period. You don't love and hold us when we're bad. 
only you love and hold us when we're good. And Lord, when we're bad, you love and hold us. That blows my mind. I don't comprehend, but it's true. You love and hold me on my best day, and you love and hold me on my worst day. And if somebody this morning doesn't know you, Jesus, they're living their lives apart from you, God. My prayer this morning is that they would come to know you, God. And they can do that by just asking you to come in, to be the king of their lives, God, to repent. God, God, I've been living life on my own, and I'm sorry. I want you. So, Lord, they can say, um, they can say with the psalmist, whom have I in heaven but you? God, we don't need anything but you. The sooner we realize that, the sooner the better we're going to be, God. So just thanks for this today, Lord Jesus. And thanks for your goodness and your grace. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.